This is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. And now keeping himself with Martinez 5. He yeah. is going to be in touchdown. Adrian Martinez off the right edge. Runs in from 15 yards out. Tie the game. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Three sets one over the Florida Gators. Now shoots the three. Got it. Isaiah Roby nails it from three-point land. And a good time was had by all. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. It's officially baseball season now yeah. that you've got home baseball. Now that I've had salt go directly to my heart from a pretzel, feels like baseball season. Hart almost stopped yesterday, folks, but he's here. He's ready to go. That's Caleb Henry, the KLIN Sports Director. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. Nebraska basketball season is almost over. We, we've just about made it, and then we'll get to the offseason, and then Delano Banton and Derek Walker and Shamil Stevenson are going to be eligible. And There's a lot to go through with men's basketball, not just on the court, but off the court. What's still to come? There, there's just a lot going to be going on because, as we know, Cam Mack was cited for a hit-and-run incident this week. He was, which actually, so when we talked with Coach Hoiberg on Wednesday, that was at about 10 in the morning. The incident apparently happened at noon, would have been after practice. Mm -hmm. There was already the impression that Cam Mack wasn't going to be on the trip to Michigan Thursday Mm -hmm. because he was suspended for Thursday's game for a violation of team rules. So what what was that prior incident then? Because it wasn't the hit and run. That's not the impression, no. So it's, and that's the second game he's missed. Obviously, the first one was the Illinois game for second Big Ten game. He's missed parts of four games. Well, missed the entirety of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Missed the entirety of the game. Yeah, Um, that's the second game he's missed the entirety of. The the other one being the Illinois game where he didn't make the trip because of the flu. Yep. Nebraska does not take care of the ball when he's not on the floor. No. They, uh, their assist to turnover ratio with Cam Mack. Extremely good. Yes. Without Cam Mack, it's actually negative. The two games without Cam Mack, they've got eight assists in both games, had 13 turnovers against Illinois, and then had 22 at Michigan. Not bad. That's not good. That kind of nullifies your once-in-a-lifetime rebounding advantage and 80% free-throw shooting. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, okay, cool, they go 8 for 30, and then let's just shoot 80%, which makes sense because Hoiberg said... Like he he's like yeah we shot a lot of free throws this week <laughs> we shot better. a lot of free throws yeah he's gonna shoot a lot of free throws in the off season too um, we'll have plenty of Nebraska ball talk um, we uh, we only have one more regular season game and then one at least Big Ten tournament game which will be on Wednesday at some point uh, and then we'll see if they can maybe get one victory in Indianapolis and move on to the the second round if not mm-hmm. their season will come to an end on Wednesday of next week. Uh, we've got we got a lot of football stuff to get to too. Uh, with spring practice starting next week, the pre-spring press conference is on Monday. Pro day is next week as well for the hopefuls uh, mm-hmm. that are going to be getting in there. We're going to have a couple uh, of those former Huskers in studio next week um, after they take part in the pro day festivities. Uh, but let's get into baseball first. Before that, though, yeah. congratulations to our Lincoln teams in the uh, state finals today. Yeah, as we've got state girls basketball going on, Lincoln Christian's going to be playing at eleven coming up. They're uh, going for the C one championship against North Bend, and then it's an all Lincoln final in Class A tonight at six thirty at PBA. Pious on one side, Lincoln East on the other. The girls, I know the girls are taking care of business while the boys are. Yes, they are. The I know Omaha Jack Mitchell, area, just... a very proud East alum. Yep, will definitely be there. I'm I'm a Bellevue West alum. Um, I, I I appreciate the all Omaha Metro. Final eight in Class A. It's almost an entire man, Metro Conference get, boys Class A. Yeah, how do you get skunked like that? Metro Lincoln? plus Elkhorn. Yeah. Well, Elkhorn, I mean, that's all part of the Metro. Well, well, not the Metro Conference. No, not the Metro. No, yeah. no, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's an all Omaha, but... It, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Omaha Metro. I'm from Bellevue, <laughs> so we don't say Bellevue's part of Omaha. It is, though. Especially around my wife. But, like, it is, though. She loves to say that. All right. <laughs> Good, good baseball. Work. Good work, Lincoln girls teams, boys. You got work to do next year. Um, Husker baseball victorious in their home opener, the Will Bolt home opener, five to three yesterday against Columbia. Um, and 
16 strikeouts for the pitching staff, seven apiece for Kyle Perry and Max Schreiber. Leighton Banjoff, the freshman sensation, hits his third home run. Also, no walks by the pitchers. No walks. Zero walks. Very impressive. No free passes on the day. Talk about your uh, assist to turnover ratio in basketball. That's a pretty good K to BB weight ratio. Hey, you, you get a 16 to 0. That's feeling pretty good. Jeff Christie's off the hot seat all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> um, still issues with some defense. Two more errors, both involved in run scoring innings for Columbia. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's definitely a, a position uh, where they need to, uh, to work on things. Um, Evan Bland from the Omaha World Herald is going to be joining us next segment to dig into a little bit more of the baseball and some football with spring coming up. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about. Nebraska baseball. They got the big win in game three of the Arizona State series, 18 to 10. They finally got one. Um, they broke the losing streak. Two home runs there for Banjoff. Banjoff hit two. And, and then obviously he slam. adds another one yesterday. Yep. That was third, his third home run in six at bats. And he was the reigning, he is the reigning Big Ten freshman of the week this week as well. He told us on Thursday, he said, Yeah, I, I've, I've been hitting really well, but. It's baseball. You just have to keep swinging. I could go zero for ten in my my ne- in this next stretch, and then he hits a home run on his first at bat, and we all looked at each other like he's not going zero for ten in this next stretch. <laughs> <laughs> what is he talking about? That liar. He might eventually, but not right now. He's on one, so that's good for him. Um, true freshman, DH out of Ohio, uh, and he is uh, really making a name for himself early on this season. Uh, but the the pitching has been there too. Cade Povich had a pretty decent day on mm-hmm. Sunday against Arizona State. Yesterday, you see Kyle Perry and Max Schreiber get it done. Um, not sure really how that, that three-man rotation on the weekend is going to look by the time you get to Big Ten play, so they're working through some things. Um, you didn't have Gareth Stroh available down in Tempe. He's didn't, still working through some elbow discomfort. Didn't have him yesterday again today, or yesterday again, so uh, they'll see how that develops. But Kyle Perry, Max Schreiber, uh, they, they were able to open the series yesterday with a victory. And Paul Tillotson going in and getting the save at the end there. Uh, only took 10 pitches to, to retire the order in the ninth. Uh, two of those being strikeouts, which at that point you were just going, yeah, there's just going to be a lot of strikeouts happen through this game. But he came in and then Coach Bolt told us after the game he's not going to put labels on guys yet. Um, although, I mean, Tillotson did look good coming in in that closer role. Um, got the save. This is the first time... I know sometimes baseball statistics can be dumb, but this is the first time Nebraska baseball has got a win in 2020 without scoring at least 18 runs. So that was good to see because as as they a, can do it. as the score stayed low, I started thinking, "Oh no, it's it's too close. There's always something that can happen." Um especially when Columbia started to get some runners on late in the game, uh you you had guys get out there and were just like don't don't tie it up don't tie it up because once you tie it up then you feel like the momentum's gone mm-hmm. um and really both both teams i think ended up with six hits on the day so there wasn't a lot of there weren't a lot of balls put into play mm-hmm. just nebraska took advantage of the ones that they had and columbia took advantage of nebraska having the airs on the defensive side of the ball that that's what led to a couple of their runs yeah yeah luke roscombe had a, a uh, two run scoring single um, you had Cam Chick also knock in one. Uh, Leighton Banjoff, as we mentioned, had a home run. And uh, Spencer Schwellenbach with the other RBI. Yeah, they, they didn't have a lot of offense, but they had enough. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the pitching really led them. Uh, doubleheader today. And I, I the defense isn't concerned. It, it, it's, it's kind of concerning at this point. It's not like a, a four-alarm fire, but uh, they, they just you got to get that cleaned up before you get to the games that really matter in Big Ten play and, and some of these non-conference series are really important as well. Another um, interesting hope it doesn't cost them a game. Yes, another interesting note yesterday, and we'll let we'll let Evan once we get to him here in about five five six minutes explain. There's new ribbon boards in the outfield, new video advertising boards, and there is space beneath those. So there ended up being oh, there yeah. ended up being a ground rule yesterday that would have been two runs for Nebraska. Ended up scoring them anyway mm-hmm. on back to back fielder's choice. But when you look at it, you go, you've got to get that squared away because of a situation like that. That would have been, it would have ended up being an, an RBI triple, or I think he, uh, they'd gotten on on an error, so it would have been a run scored in a triple. Yeah. Um, but, or the possibility that when that ball goes out there, maybe he, he wheels all the way around. So that's something you got to get figured out, and I know we'll have Evan explain a little bit more because we we asked Coach Bolt after the game what's going on with that out there. But that that's one of those things when you look at it, that's your home ballpark, 
And I was telling someone on Twitter yesterday, if I'm a visitor and I'm the outfielder and a ball goes under anything, I'm holding my hands up and saying, nope, that that's ground ruled. Yeah. I, I'm, even if they have to come out and say, nope, not a ground rule, the, the, the run score, I'm taking my chance on that and say, hey, that's the home team left, left me a, a, a possible place where I can just stop the play. Yeah, that's that's a good point for those who haven't been out to the ballpark, which you know it's not very many yet. It's only one game so far. Um, big uh, big new big scoreboard uh, as well. That How looks that nice. Looks? That looks nice. Um, when you're watching all this stuff, I mean, anyone who's been to PBA and Memorial Stadium, you can do so many things on these nice new video boards. Mm. They got it at Haymarket now. I like it. Very nice. So yeah, we're uh, we're gonna chat with Evan Bland um, a little bit more in depth about the baseball team. Will Bolt. First home game as head coach, and they are victorious against Columbia. Uh, the doubleheader today. Um, let's the the lineup is the lineup's honestly been really steady. Um, mm-hmm. You you've had Jackson Hallmark out with injury, but he's come back since then to play. Yep, he was in um, the lineup yesterday. But you really have had just pretty much the same guys for the most part. Uh, maybe twelve or so mm-hmm. um, that have played out in the field. That stability, I think, will be key. I mean, you want to get some other guys some at-bats and, and some some time out in the field as well, and they have. Um, late in games, you've seen a lot more subs. But I think having that solid core, knowing where your role is, um, you know, a couple swing guys here and there, I think that will serve Nebraska well sooner rather than later because the the quicker you can establish something like that, as Fred Hoiberg will tell you, if you can establish anything early – that's a very good thing. Nebraska basketball really wasn't able to establish anything this season. So if the baseball squad is able to do that, that's going to lead to more potential for this team for Will Bolt's first year than we saw with Fred Hoiberg. Yeah, staying staying with that basketball comparison, what did things look like with Gervais Green for the first little portion of the season, and then he was out for a couple games, then he comes back? He yeah. discovered, figured out, accepted what his role was, and he's been playing extremely well. Same thing for a number of other guys on the team, figuring out what their role is. You take that over to baseball, and I know Coach Bolt's not going to name specific roles for players um, out of the bullpen and what the pitchers are doing, but when you're a hitter and you're batting second and then all of a sudden you're batting seventh and then you move up to fifth, those things can be hard. Obviously, once the game gets going, you're just batting wherever you're batting, but when the game starts, there you're in that order for a specific reason, different Different staffs set up their batting order for different reasons. Sometimes it's you want someone who's going to, uh, you're going to go speed, average, power. Some, and you're just going to do that one, two, three, four, five, six, all the way through. Sometimes you're just going to load up. I want someone who's going to get on base for my first two, and then we're going to start going average and power. Mm-hmm. Kind of the traditional way that you're going to build your lineup. Yeah. If I'm batting seventh, and then the next game I'm batting first, and then I'm in the cleanup role, I'm trying to figure out where I fit into the lineup. Yeah. But that's not that's obviously not what we're seeing right now. So that, that that's good to see those roles work themselves out early. Yeah, Camp Chick's been the leadoff man. He's got the most at bats of anybody on the team with forty one. The top eight guys in terms of at bats are between twenty nine and four or sorry, twenty seven, which is Leighton Banjoff, and forty one at bats. So those are your top eight clearly up there. The next most is Gunnar Hellstrom with seventeen, Hallmark with fifteen. Uh, and then Drew Gillen with ten, and then a few others sprinkled in there. So, and we know Hallmark would have more if he didn't get hurt in Certainly. that opening game. Yep. So, so the consistency is there, uh, and they're able to start carving out their niche a little bit, which is, uh, I think, a pretty good thing. All right. So, Evan Bland going to join us first here in the next segment. Uh, Husker baseball writer for the Omaha World Herald does a little football coverage for them as well as as you are kind of required to do in the state <laughs> of Nebraska. So, we're going to dig into all of that with Evan. Husker hoops yet to come. And plenty more. This is the KLI and Husker Hour on your Saturday morning. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. Rolling through your Saturday morning here. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Cole Stukenholtz and Caleb Henry. And on the line joining us now. Covers baseball and football for the Omaha World Herald. It's Evan Bland, who just got to take in the home opener yesterday at Haymarket Park. Evan, thanks so much for joining us this morning. How is home baseball season? Yeah, oh, sorry, I caught part of that. I'm uh, I'm doing well. How are you guys today? We're good. How, how was the game there at Haymarket yesterday? 
you know, it was <laughs> for May 6th or I'm sorry, for March 6th and, and the weather that we've had the last few years, uh, it was great. The weather was, was fantastic. Um, you know, Nebraska was able to pull out the win five to three. And, and I think just as important as the victory was how they did it. I mean, we've seen Nebraska pitching struggle in the first few weeks of the season, particularly with giving up walks. So what do they do on Friday in their home opener? They don't walk anybody. They strike out 16. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kyle Perry is the Friday starter looked really good. He gave up a home run, uh, a solo shot, but other than that, didn't walk anyone, struck out seven himself. And as we don't really know, maybe the long-term status of Gareth Stroh, who is penciled in as the Friday guy to start the season, uh, it, it bodes really well for Nebraska that Perry was able to go out and handle uh, a lineup like Columbia, which uh, quite honestly, he should be able to handle. And so that was, you know, encouraging for Nebraska. And then uh, you know, heading into the rest of uh, this weekend and really this, this stretch of games here, that, that was their first game. Uh, I'm sorry, their first of 10 games in 10 days. So a lot of uh, pitchers are going to have to step up and kind of prove themselves over this stretch here and starts with a doubleheader today. So it's just going to be uh, interesting to see if Nebraska can keep it rolling at home. Yeah, speaking of uh, keeping it rolling, Leighton Banjoff, who is the Big Ten Freshman of the Week, he's already made a name for himself uh, with uh, his – third home run in his last two games. Did did Will Bolt give you a sense of, of what he thought he was getting with this kid? Did he seem excited about him in particular? What what of this uh, this freshman, Leighton Banjoff? You know, it, it's interesting because Will Bolt has been a lot more forthcoming about his opinion about uh, some of the newcomers than Darren Erstad was. It, it, it was kind of a state secret with Darren where if he mentioned any pitcher, any, any freshman individually, it was a, a really big deal. So, you know, Will has been a little bit more uh, open about his thoughts. And, you know, he included him in kind of that group of freshmen that he felt good about. Luke Boynton is another one uh, at first base, and they have a whole bunch of freshman pitchers they feel good about. Uh, either this season or in the long term. But, you know, Leighton, sure. I mean, he had a, a huge weekend at Arizona State, comes out and hits a home run again. He spoke to uh, to media members here in the midweek. And, you know, well-spoken kid. He, he's an interesting case, too, because he's probably an outfielder by trade. Uh, but Nebraska's been light uh, on the infield, and so he's kind of moved around there. He's done some DHing. And, yeah, man, I mean, that's what you want in, in February and early March is to get some of those young guys or newcomers to force their way into the lineup, right? I mean, Nebraska, traditionally, this is a time when they look at different players, and if someone can take a hold of a role and go with it, then they suck. You know, that's that's happened a lot in recent years, and I think Banjoff has been that guy quite clearly through, you know, the first month or so of the season. He's he's uh, right around a 500 on-base percentage, so that tells you that not only is he swinging for power, but he's taking walks, he's seeing pitches really well. And suddenly, uh, you know, a, a, an offense that already looked like it was going to be maybe the strength for Nebraska this season looks a little bit better. So, yeah, a good start for him. Evan, first of all, uh, Caleb Henner here. Very nice to meet you yesterday. Thank you for showing me around the ballpark. That was very nice of you to do. <laughs> you and you and Baz, who uh, Baz is never one to be trustworthy at the ballpark, first of all. Uh, but when, once we got into the game, we heard folks talking in the, the press box about that ground rule, what's going on with the, those ribbon boards. And then, of course, it happens during the game. We saw a little bit of frustration from Coach Bolt, and um, he was asked after the game, what, what's the explanation on, on these ribbon boards? And, of course, this is going to happen more now. Since it's happened once, it seems like that's the law of statistics that we're going to see more of those balls disappear under those in the outfield. Right. Well, you know, I think, first of all, you know, what Coach Bolt said, too, was this will probably be temporary i mean you don't want it to be kind of a a long-term thing where balls can get stuck under the video boards in your outfield i mean you don't want that impacting play but yes for now the new ribbon boards out there uh the play you're referring to in left center uh where, where that ball rolled to the wall i mean it was a single and an error because it got past the left fielder there but uh you know just like with any ground rules their their rule on those particular instances are the ball gets stuck in there. You're an outfielder. You throw up your hands. At that point, uh, base runners get to advance two bases from where they start. So at that point, Nebraska had a runner on first, and so it became a second and third situation with nobody out. A little bit unfortunate in that moment for Nebraska because uh, the runner at first was clearly going to score on that play, 
uh, it didn't work out that way. Ultimately, it didn't matter because both runs did come in to score on RBI ground outs. But, yeah, certainly something to watch going forward. And, you know, if you're Nebraska and you talk about building a home field advantage, uh, occasionally, obviously, you're hoping balls don't roll to the wall against you. But if that sort of thing happens and you're able to throw up your hands and maybe hold off a run or, or keep an opponent from moving up an extra base, like that can be a good thing, too. So. Um, it, it, I thought it was just kind of one of, of many things that were interesting about Haymarket Park, the other being the 26-second pitch clock that was out there uh, for the first time. That's a new rule in college baseball. And then they uh, added a radar gun, too. That was something that Coach Erstad previously uh, didn't really care for. He didn't want his pitchers or or even fans, really, to be kind of caught up in velocity. But uh, not such a big deal with this new staff. So that's something else out there in, in left center that fans can follow along too. So a lot of a lot of different changes, and that's not to mention the big old video board and right too. So pretty cool, uh, you know, different set of circumstances and things at Haymarket Park this season to take in. Yeah, I know from from the opening game, which went like four and a half hours or however long it took. It was a forty five minute first half inning, but I thought both sets, of, all the pitchers yesterday worked quickly. Is that? Do you think that's because of being able to be cognizant of what that that pitch clock is, or did it just work out that both staffs were working quickly? It only took about fifteen minutes to go through the first inning and a half yesterday. Yeah, yeah, it was moving at a really good pace. I don't know that the new pitch clock had much to do with it. I think this, you know, both teams were keeping the ball in the zone. Like, you know, the, the games they get ugly and get sideways, or when you're walking everybody, you're hitting batters, or there are errors, like. It was just pretty clean and crisp. And, you know, Columbia's starter, Billy Black, to give him credit, he has, I think he had like a career ERA around 11, and he's a junior coming into this game. So this was his best career outing, which, you know, if you're Nebraska, obviously you're hoping to maybe pull away and, and seal that thing up a little bit earlier. But, you know, you got to give him credit too. And, uh, you know, Kyle Perry was saying afterwards it was his inside fastball that was really confounding hitters. I mean, he had five strikeouts looking that he earned and he was getting that inside edge so I think that was part of it too was both pitchers probably had the benefit of a little bit of a bigger strike zone in that particular game and uh, you know I think a home opener the sun's out like let's let's play some crisp baseball I think it was a two and a half hour game so all in all a pretty good way to start uh, you know the home part of your season. Yeah, the media is never going to complain about short games. <laughs> Evan Bland from the <laughs> Omaha World Herald joining us here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Uh, one more on baseball, and then we'll switch up to football. Uh, two questions on the pitching, Evan. Uh, first is, is Paul Tillotson going to get a longer look at closer over Shea Shanneman after he struggled early? And secondly, with all these games coming up, who are we expecting to see in the midweek? Yeah, both those are both good questions. Uh, you know, I asked. Coach Bolt about Tillotson specifically yesterday, and you know at this point he said we're not at we're not at the juncture of the season where we're going to assign roles. So right now Paul Tillotson has been one of their best relievers, and so they put him out there in a safe situation. He goes one, two, three in the ninth, and Nebraska looks pretty good, you know, making that decision. And I, you know I I personally feel good for a guy like Paul Tillotson. I mean he's been fighting injuries most of his career at Nebraska. He was a I think the top rated recruit out of the state of Colorado in his particular cycle, he's gone through shoulder surgery, a lot of different, you know, tough things and he's stuck it out and now he's back and, and feeling good. So, you know, as Nebraska sorts through this bullpen, you know, you, you thought it might be Shea Shanneman, but he's really kind of figuring some things out at this point. And so, you know, I think you can look at Paul Tillotson as one of those reliable back end guys. And so that's a positive. And then, the midweek uh, question is, is really going to be pretty fascinating because, you know, like I mentioned, Nebraska is playing 10 games in 10 days. They haven't announced a starter for Sunday. Mm-hmm. They'll have to find starters for Tuesday and Wednesday, and then they'll have to find a fourth starter next weekend at Wichita State. And so uh, it, it is interesting. If Gareth Stroh remains out, then you have to assume Kyle Perry will stay in the rotation with Colby Gomez and Cade Povich. And, you know, beyond that, they've liked Braxton Bragg. He's a true freshman as somebody who might be able to step in. In one of those spots, Trey Kissick uh, is a transfer who set out last year. He's had some bullpen time, um, and, and he's had some starting experience. I would think he might be someone they would look at. And they also like another freshman, Quinn Mason, uh, who, who got a little bit of a look last weekend. Um, but, you know, again, ultimately it comes down to who can throw strikes, who can maybe get you four innings 
and then if you can turn it over to the bullpen after that. So it's going to be a really interesting stretch where not only is Nebraska going to learn who its reliable midweek starters can be, but then, you know, who who can you rely on in the bullpen? Can't because most of these guys are going to get their chances in the next 10 days. All right, let's uh, switch gears and go to football. So Caleb and I are going to be breaking down some uh, storylines and, and players to watch for spring. Um, give me one of each for you. Uh, let's start with the player. What's uh, what's one player that you're really going to be keying in on this spring in football? One player, man. There are, there are so many interesting <laughs> positions. I mean, seriously, like you look at it's March and April. Sometimes, like you can kind of say certain positions or certain things are locked up. But you could go through every single position and be like, man, there's some some interesting battles there. But you know, I'll give you one that I think is really fascinating. Uh, Travis Volkelek, the tight end yeah. transfer out of Rutgers. He sat out last year. You know, Nebraska's tight ends, they have everybody back, but their production really was not, not. <laughs> it didn't stand out all that much, to be honest. I mean, they had about, oh, around 30 catches, 300 receiving yards among the group. And, and Volkelek, we got to look at him last year. He looks like an NFL guy, 6'6", 250. Um, you know, the offense that, that Scott Frost had run at Oregon and at UCF, it, tight ends were a big part of that. And it has not been the case at Nebraska for a couple of years, in part because most of those players were, were guys they inherited maybe for another system. Uh, some of the other guys they did recruit, uh, Katerian Legrone, Justin McGriff, have left for various reasons. And so I think Vokalek coming in is really going to be fascinating to me if he can take over that job. Maybe he can be a red zone threat. Nebraska hasn't had a lot of those in the last handful of seasons either. So, you know, what can he do in a room that's already full of a bunch of veterans? What can he do in the spring to maybe show the coaches that he deserves a role in the fall? Now, what about uh, your, your storyline that you're watching? What's a narrative that you're going to be keeping an eye on? Yeah. You know, it's, I think it's interesting because I get the sense from fans that the culture talk has been played out. You know, I, I get the sense that they don't want to hear about good practices. So to me, some of the, a couple of the things I think will be interesting. One, what does special teams look like? You hire an, anal- an analyst in Jonathan Rutledge. He's not an on-field guy. So what, what does the infrastructure look like in terms of setting up special teams? I think that's going to be fascinating. And, and you know, all the specialists are up for grabs this year. New kicker, new punter, new long snapper, new returners. Yeah. So what does that look like? And then, you know, beyond that, I'm going to be curious. I think I'll be asking the coaches on Monday, you know, what have they learned in two years in the Big Ten? There was a lot of talk coming in when they arrived in December 2017 that the Big Ten was going to adjust to them. And I think in two years, they've kind of learned that, man, this is this is a tough league with really good coordinators, with really good talent. And, yeah, you can have your plan and your identity, but it's going to help to really know your opponents. Now they've gone through this meat grinder twice what have they learned what kind of adjustments do they feel like they might need to make at the very least how do you you know evolve your own system to kind of the cold weather uh league where where line play is you know reigns supreme so i think those are going to be a couple interesting things and then um you know just beyond that what's what's the mood right now you had a lot of off-season attrition how much of that was expected how much of that uh you know, maybe surprise some of the coaches, and then how do they feel about their group going into the spring? So a ton of ton of questions. I think a lot, there's going to be about two and a half straight hours of interviews between players, Coach Frost, and assistants, and it should be a lot of fun on Monday. Last minute here, Evan, the big one that always takes over all of social media, all of the fans, and it's going to be interesting to watch. It's obviously the, the quarterbacks. It is Adrian Martinez healthy? I know Cole and I are going to go through this a little bit later, but now you've got three quarterbacks. You don't have the use of a red shirt. Are you? Do you have to? You can't really hide Luke McCaffrey. Obviously, he's one of your better athletes. Is he going to get on the field? What's the What's the competition part of that going to look like? And how how they're going to play that out through the spring? Obviously, once you get to the the red white game, you get to play a few more of them. But how how does that start to work uh, uh, work competition wise? What are you looking forward to seeing out of that position? Right. Well, I mean, I think the first one of the first questions Monday is going to be what's the health of Adrian Martinez right now? Is he going to be full go this spring? He had some off-season, uh, it sounds like off-season surgery on his non-throwing shoulder. So how is he recovered from that? Is he full go? 
Will he be limited? That's going to impact things. Um, you know, there's been talk about Luke McCaffrey changing positions. I mean, that's just been speculation among fans, but I think the spring is this, this is the time when you give him every opportunity at that quarterback spot. I mean, you give him, uh, you know, you want to see as many snaps of, of, of him, you know, at that spot as you can, just to see what you have, what he's learned by all accounts. He was a sponge last year picking up the playbook, played the position full time since he was a senior in high school. So where does he stand? And then, you know, Noah Vedral, maybe he's not as blessed physically as some of the other guys in the room, but he's he has a deeper knowledge of the offense than anybody, given that he was with Scott Frost and their staff for a year at Central Florida, too. And then, you know, Logan Smothers, I think it's it seems pretty clear that he's ticketed to redshirt, but what can he do in the spring in terms of some of that intangible stuff, settling in with teammates? You know, I think back to, I think it was three years ago when Tristan Jebbia in the spring game was on the white team on, you know, the kind of the undermanned backups uh, group. And he really showed out well. And you could say, man, if, if that coaching staff had stayed and things had gone as, as they had, you know, you could see where Jebbia could have become a, a big part of that program down the line. So can Logan Smothers do maybe something similar to that this spring and, and, and in this red white game, but uh, you know, as, as Frost said in December, it's, it's going to be an open competition whether that means Adrian Martinez is the clear-cut, you know, guy to beat remains to be seen. But yeah, it's. it's I, I hope everybody's healthy because this is as deep of a quarterback room as Nebraska's had in a long time, and it should be a lot of fun to watch. Good stuff, Evan Bland from the Omaha World Herald, and uh, that is football, baseball, a lot to digest. Thanks very much for the time this morning, and uh, we'll see you at uh, we'll see you at the press conference on Monday. You got it, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Evan Bland uh, joining us. Uh, that's uh, man, a lot, lot more, a lot more things to to think about than than maybe maybe a lot of folks were. There's thinking about. there are there's going to be so much that needs to be <laughs> gone through on Monday, especially because Monday's the only time we we get any press availability this in this first week. Mm-hmm. You're obviously going to have Coach Frost. You're going to get a number of players, and then you're going to get some assistance um, in the hallway afterwards. There is going to be so many different storylines that can come out of this one like couple hours because we haven't talked to anyone in a while. Yeah. The, the last we've really talked to anyone is the late signing period, as as you like to call it. But what what what's all going to be going on? All the different positions: yeah. quarterback, running back. No JD Spielman at receiver. Last time Frost actually talked to the media, not oh. not not online or whatever with no, the yeah. late signing. To, yeah, to the media. It was the first signing, the the regular signing yeah. period in December. Yeah, way back there. Almost three months ago. Yeah, there's a lot can happen in three there's months. There's a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about. So um, Caleb and I will uh, will be bringing that to you Monday, and uh, we will go from there. Um, more football, as we said. We've got storylines to watch, players to look at. Um, a little bit of hoops mixed in. Uh, we got a lot yet to go. Stay with us. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. Our thanks to Evan Bland just joining us. In our last segment, if you missed any of that, of course, you can always catch up on the podcast page at KLIN.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at KLIN Huskers. Uh, we're on there as well. I'm at Stukenholtz. Caleb's at I, Caleb Henry, Caleb with a K. Um, before we dig in more into the, the football stuff, we, we're going to be counting down. Uh, we have not been on the air together since last Saturday, mm-hmm. and something occurred on Sunday here in Lincoln that is historic and not in a good way. Um, if no. you've heard the numbers eight and 30 together at all in the last week, you know where we're going with this. Um, and, and I would imagine a lot of our listeners have been out there doing the eight, eight for 30 challenge or, or how many, how many out of 30 can you make? There was a texter on Monday said that there was a, on, on LNK today with Jack and friends said that there had to have been a record set for the number of Nebraskans about <laughs> 6, 7 o'clock on Sunday that went out and were shooting free throws in their driveway. Yes, yes. <laughs> I Yeah, I, I have not. I need to, but I don't have a 10-foot rim. Our basketball hoop in our driveway is broken, and we can't move it up higher. I thought. You, what, so what is it at? Uh, I, like, I can dunk on it. I was going to so say 6, 7 feet. 7. Dunkable. Yeah. I like it. 
So, I mean, I can shoot free throws on my Just out there hoop. posterizing your kids? Yes. <laughs> hey, with kids. The small, with the small ball. Hey, kids, you guys want to play 21? That I can palm <laughs> with my Joe Burrow-sized hands. Oh. Yeah, so, so Nebraska shoots 8 for 30. Um, st- stats like aren't like official going back decades, but from all the research that all of our Nebraska media brethren have done, it seems like it's maybe the worst Division One performance ever with that many free throws. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was at least the worst for in the last ten years. Yes, in, for sure. From what we were able to find yep. with, with that with that index um, for teams that shot at least twenty four free throws, uh, definitely the worst for anyone who shot thirty. Yeah. Um, I have not updated it over the course of the week, but on Monday, if you took all the teams, <laughs> all the men's teams from divisions one, two, and three, NAIA. Um, so and NIIA is Division One and Two. Uh, um, so that's all the four-year schools yes. in the country for men's basketball. There are one thousand two hundred ninety-nine of them, and Nebraska had a better free throw percentage than one. They were technically tied for one thousand two hundred ninety-seventh with Arkansas Pine Bluff, but Nebraska has made more free throws, so you make a tiebreaker there. Yeah. St. Louis, the Billikens, Man. dead last. And Nebraska, that's the only team that Nebraska had a better free throw. Dropped two full percentage points because of Sunday, but shot then 80% the next time out. 12 for 15. That's that's obviously going to help a little bit. We'll see once the season ends where Nebraska sits, but they've been towards the bottom of free throw shooting as a team really all season. So the 8 of 30 is surprising just because of how poor that is. But when we look at it as a whole... Nebraska ball has not been a good free throw shooting team no. really throughout this season. No. And um want to throw these notes in here too. Ivan Wedrogo, uh, he had 19 rebounds that, against oh. Northwestern. That performance was uh not I mean it was not ruined. He still did that and it was really impressive. Um, but definitely marred by the the free throws and the loss yeah. to Northwestern a game they absolutely should have. Won. I know I've talked with people off the air and I think I've maybe even said it here a couple of times. My comp for him for what he can be at Nebraska is the Husker version of Charles Barkley, an undersized big who's going to outwork some guys, be a little bit bigger bodied, move some guys around, and he's figuring some stuff out. Um, he's still got some time until he turns eighteen. If you didn't know, no, he's he's only seventeen. Yeah, if you didn't know, the, huh. the from, Never heard from, that. from Bordeaux, France. Um, but yeah, he's he's one of those guys that he has figured things out as this season has gone on. Yeah. And shoot, he was on pace. I think five minutes into the game, it was like he's on pace for forty-two rebounds today. Yeah. But you could also tell how hard he works because on the defensive end, he's not one of the guys who switches. Yeah. He goes and hedges and he'll hedge guys out to half court and then has to sprint back underneath the basket. Yeah. And then on the offensive end, trying to go grab all of those boards. That's the other part of it. Out of those nineteen boards. He had, he had what was it nine or ten were on the offensive side of the glass like almost that, yeah. almost double digits yeah. so I mean he's an absolute workhorse um, and then obviously on Thursday we saw our first time where he was out on the floor with Kevin Cross at the same time over the course of the season yep so the the comp for that on the women's side of the ball is when we we saw this season a lot of Kate Kane and Ashton Verbeek on the floor at the same time what what does that kind of do for the mismatches that you can have women's basketball. Uh, by the way, lost in their conference tournament game to Michigan on Thursday. Likely not going to get an NCAA tournament bid when those come out, so they'll be waiting for the postseason WNIT, which makes their selections come out on Monday. I would expect Nebraska to get a bid for that, but the way the conference slate went, I mean, you never really know. Yeah, yeah, you don't. Um, so they're they're waiting on that. Uh, Nebraska men are waiting for the end of the season to arrive finally. A call, a call of rope also got a little bit more time with Cam Mack. Um, 20 suspended. minutes, 20 minutes, got five points, six boards. Not sure how much he's going to be able to play next year when they get those other guys in there, but, um, he's a Nebraska kid. Nice to see him be able to make an impact against a ranked team and play pretty well. And I think, so when we go back, uh, a game before against Northwestern, he had what I would consider the block of the season for a Husker oh, and no, he got it count. ripped away from him. He went up and blocked a dunk attempt straight through the hand, said absolutely no way. That was the... That's probably the worst. I know that uh, Jack likes to say garbage officiating a lot mm-hmm. about a lot of calls that happen at PBA, and mm-hmm. PBA fans like to boo a lot of stuff. Yeah. That one was that was doofully booed. That that one was there was correct booing for that one. I'm glad you deemed it correct booing. 
I'm here to I'm here to I'm here to judge whether or not it's okay to boo. Caleb Henry, uh, K Line Sports Director and official <laughs> arbiter of whether or not booing is appropriate at Pinnacle Bank Arena. All right, we're gonna dig into some more of the football storylines, some players to watch. Spring ball starts next week. That's less than three days. Uh, we'll have it covered for you. We're gonna be counting down some of those when we come back here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Stay with us. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. Rolling along on Saturday morning here. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. That's Caleb Henry. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. And gosh, can you see it right around the corner, just over the horizon? It's spring football. Ah. You get, you get close. your, you, we get these really nice days and you can play Husker baseball, which by the way, got delayed by nine minutes start yesterday. Grounds crew had to come out and work on the mound right away. That was fun to start spring baseball. It's, at their, home. it's their first game too. Yeah. It's everyone's first game. Got it figured <laughs> out, but you had to get help figuring out where to go. I did. They had to get help. I hadn't been the out mound. there since I was like 14 years old or yeah. something. And Nebraska was playing Kansas. Well, to be fair, you're only what? 20. Something like that. <laughs> Something like that. This beard says at least 24. Oh, okay. okay. Um, but yeah, because we, you got all this nice weather, which you don't have snow on the ground. Yeah, mm-hmm. there could be some flurries or something happening, but this is extremely nice spring football practice weather High as of well. 70 today. Oh, is there a cargo shorts warning out there, Mr. Jack Mitchell? I mean, I'm wearing shorts right now, there it so is. there's a warning. <laughs> it is happening right here in the studio. All right, well, let's dig in a little bit to the football uh, stuff. I've got some storylines to follow. Um, I'm going to go over those. Caleb, I know you've got some players to watch. Mm-hmm. Let's start with the obvious. I'm going to start with my quarterback battle. Yep. Um, Taylor, uh, Taylor, good Lord. Adrian Martinez had off-season uh, non-throwing shoulder surgery. You have Christian McCaffrey, um, not Christian McCaffrey. Wow. I'm talking about Taylor Martinez and Christian McCaffrey in this segment, apparently. Well, okay. Luke so, McCaffrey. So who can run a faster 40? Hey, there you go. <laughs> um, Chris, Luke McCaffrey's pushing him. Um, will he or Noah Vedral, like, will they get a really long look? Are they going to have a true quarterback battle in the spring? I really want to know what that will look like. We won't be able to see, obviously, um, the entirety of spring, if any. Uh, but but how much dif- how much deference does Frost give to the two year starter? How much credit to the experience on the field do he and the staff give? I think they skew a lot to experience, but this is obviously a very important position. That's one of the things, obviously, that everybody's going to be keeping an eye on. I'll stay in the backfield as well, but not the quarterback, uh, just because we all know that there's going to be that storyline. If you're talking about Martinez, what is what is his health going to be? What what do you bring with uh, Luke McCaffrey uh, in the backfield? Though one of the players that I'm definitely going to watch, Ramir Johnson. You saw a lot of what you get from Dedrick Mills, and then there was obviously the the parts where he was kind of banged up a little bit, getting a giant workload, and you went and redshirted Ramir. So I want to see this spring, what does it look like when he gets a lot more run, if he can add that depth to the backfield, especially with, and I know you're going to talk about the wide receivers, but that running back room has to stay healthy to keep those receivers like Wandale Robinson and Elante Brown out in their actual position. Yep. Let's switch gears to defense for my next storyline to watch. Who's rushing the passer? (laughs) JoJo Doman is a senior. You have Garrett Nelson and Caleb Tanner, who have both seen some time. They're going to be sophomore and junior, respectively. Other outside linebackers who've been in the program, Jamin Graham and David Alston, hardly played, if at all. Uh, and then you got Blaze Gunnerson as an early enrollee. Nico Cooper and Jamari Butler are here in the fall. Those are their outside linebackers. Like uh, That doesn't include the walk-ons, but can any of these guys help find some more sacks, some more pressures, maybe get some turnovers forced? Outside linebacker is an important position in a 3-4 defense, and since Luke Gifford, they really haven't had somebody dominant at that position for the, for a majority of a season. So uh, that is a very important position. Maybe you get JoJo Doman and either Caleb Tanner or Garrett Nelson, and they just hold down those spots, but you need more than just two guys, I think, to be able to consistently 
get there every single game, and that's a very, very big, important piece of the defense. What was one of the places that I know we'll look at it as underrated, but we've taken it for granted here at Nebraska, the place kicker. Yes. I'm going to be watching Chase Contreras because now we've had some attrition there. Matt Waldock is going to be going and focusing on school and uh, club soccer. And you, you look at this and say there were six guys took field goal kicks last year. Chase Contreras coming in from um, Iowa Western. Yep. I think he's the favorite to win the job. What is he going to do in the spring to kick with some of these spring wins that we'll see again in the fall? How good can he look kicking the football so that we don't have to worry about that special teams position in the fall? Not only that, but I, I also had special teams down as a storyline. Not just the kicker position, but the punter too. What do you do at punter? Is it Detlefson or Pristup? Uh, and on top of that, can any of these guys kick a touchback on a kickoff? <laughs> That's a oh. huge miss that Nebraska's not had for a couple of seasons now, and it's hurt Nebraska. You had some momentum-killing kickoff return touchdowns by two different teams last season, and you can't have it. You can't have it. So can any of these guys kick the ball through the back of the end zone? That's something I want to watch. I'm watching for the development, the continued development of Cameron Jurgens, the, the, the Beatrice grad who yeah. moved inside to center. We saw a lot of high snaps early in the season last year, but by the end of the year, and this is one of the things that the coaching staff, the reason they have him at center is because of his intangibles. What does he do through this spring to take that next step? So that that's a position, again, we're looking at things that you don't have to worry about when you get to the fall. Yep. Clean snaps and decision-making from your interior lineman and your center there with Cameron Jurgens. I do think he has the chance to be one of the best centers we've seen in a while for Nebraska, but he has to continue making those, taking those steps. Yeah, I'm going to piggyback on that. My fourth storyline to watch is the blocking up front. You have, obviously, Jurgens, Hymas, and Farniok. Those three guys, I think, for sure will be playing. Where's Farniok going to play? Maybe tackle, maybe guard. Uh, in 2020, you have Bo Wilson and Trent Hickson returning, but can they keep their jobs? Brock Bando is going to factor in. Bryce Benhart, after a redshirt season, may be able to play tackle and allow Farniok to move inside and displace one of those two guards. Maybe Turner Corcoran, A.J. Forbes, Ethan Piper, um, any of those red shirts. Uh, there's a lot of moving pieces on the offensive line, too. I'm very interested to see who those top five guys are at the end of spring. I'm looking at another red shirt as someone that I'm definitely going to be watching through this spring camp, and that's Keem Green on the defensive mm -hmm. line. We know we have to have guys that are going to rush the passer, but who's going to plug some of those holes? Obviously, you've got some guys that are going to be going through their pro days. You've got the Davis Twins, who did a lot of time plugging some of those holes as well as rushing the quarterback, but Keem Green redshirted, got some time at the end of last year, and there were some guys that were very complimentary of him on what he was able to do in that limited amount of time. I want to see him also take that next step this spring to work to have a big impact in the fall. Yeah, My number one storyline to watch, who is going to catch the ball? With J.D. Spielman out for spring with a personal health matter, four scholarship wide receivers are in for spring. They'll have nine scholarship guys for the 2020 season, which includes Spielman, but only two of them have any career catches. That's Spielman and Wandale Robinson. Uh, that doesn't count walk-ons like Cade Warner. Cade's obviously contributed as well. You'll have Demarion Houston, Jamie Nance, who redshirted, and Elante Brown, an early enrollee. Uh, is Chris Hickman going to play wide receiver in the spring? Uh, Walk-ons, Bennett Fulkers, Wyatt Lever, Christian Banker. Uh, help arrives in the fall. You have Omar Manning, Xavier Betts, Will Nixon, Marcus Fleming, Ty Hahn, another walk-on, um, who's a big uh, uh, contributor in, in Nebraska high school. Uh, Matt Lubick has his work cut out for him, and he's going to need to hit the ground running with wide receiver position. Yeah, my number one player to watch, Wandale Robinson. What is he going to do without having that edge of J.D. Spielman? How much is he going to have to work on the edge? And then how is he going to get the ball? He spent a lot of time taking carries last year. Running backs have to stay healthy. How does Wandale stay involved? And then how does he work primarily on the edge through this spring? Yeah, and, and, and if I'm Scott Frost, I might also just put Wandale in bubble wrap. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> you need him fully healthy for the start of the season there's no doubt about that uh all right that is five players and five storylines to watch going into spring football uh which starts up next week we're back to wrap this thing up right after this this is the klin husker hour i got a whole lot of money talking with current and former huskers and those who cover the big red this is the klin husker hour on lincoln's husker radio 1400 klin 
Wrapping things up here on a Saturday morning. Thanks for joining us. As always, uh, whether you're listening on our podcast page on KLIN.com or on Facebook or Twitter at KLIN Huskers, uh, we appreciate you joining the show. Devin, Evan Bland joined us earlier. If you missed any of that, obviously, uh, go catch up. Caleb, the uh, the poll question for this week, I think, <laughs> is is uh, apropos. You just had the NFL Combine. The Huskers are going to have Pro Day this Thursday. Uh, what do we have up on the poll question for this week? So what would be your best NFL Combine test? Ooh. We've got the 40, the vertical, the bench, and the wonder leg. I'm answering this question as I would right now, okay. not as I would at my peak athleticism. As a Division One athlete. Just got to throw that in there. But I think, flex. okay, peak athleticism, I think my best event would be either the 40 or the vertical. Okay, Bench would be absolute trash. Now, as someone who's a little bit more out of shape, I think my best one would be Wonderlick. Okay. What what would be your best NFL combine so, test? Bench, never. <laughs> um vertical, no, probably not. I I'm I'm not a I'm not very fast, but I'm I think I'm sneaky. I might be able to get to like five four. Maybe five three. I don't know. You'd be they'd call I you sneaky athletic. Slow, I still play slow pitch softball. Okay. Um, I can get around the bases pretty quick, but no, I've got to go Wonderlick. I was a high school valedictorian. Okay, that's, yeah, that's where my strength lies. I, I think you'd crush me in the Wonderlick. Yeah. So hit the poll on the on our Twitter page. Which is your best NFL Combine event? Um, and and pro day is coming up this Thursday. Um, the four guys who play uh, who participated in the Combine, um, the Davis twins, Darian Daniels and Lamar Jackson, they'll all probably be doing some things out there. You'll also have guys like Mo Berry uh, who did not make the Combine. Um, they'll be able to try out as well and, and put their their testing numbers out there. What's coming up this week, Caleb? Well, for this weekend, obviously wrestling is at the Big Tens at the rack. Baseball has a doubleheader with Columbia beginning at twelve oh five today. All both of those games. On KLIN softball is at the Arizona State Invitational. Wrestling continues Big Tens tomorrow. Baseball takes on Columbia at 11.05 tomorrow. That'll be at over on 105.3 WOW FM because men's basketball at noon has their regular season um, finale against Minnesota. Baseball hosts Northern Colorado Tuesday and Wednesday. Basketball will be in the Big Ten tournament Wednesday at either 5 or 7.15, depending on how today goes. And depending on how Wednesday goes, that might be the end of what has been a very forgettable season. Um, Let's just get to 2020-2021 with that basketball (laughs) squad. Spring football is next week. Get fired up. Thanks for joining us. As always, go Big Red.